Greetings, I'm Dr. Anthony Smith of Alashe Center for Enrichment and welcome to Black Folks Do Therapy, where we endeavor to challenge you to think critically about your mental health and overall wellness. Our goal is to inspire you to align your actions and values so that you might live your life fully 86,400 seconds every single day. We do this in part by asking questions and raising issues that you may not have previously considered. Ultimately, we encourage you to do those things that help you to live your best life consistently, always working towards balance. We are today in Silver Springs, Maryland. College Park. I keep saying Silver Springs. <laughs> it's not far. It's not far. It's probably like 10, 10 miles. Yeah. Okay. We're visiting two black psychologists here in College Park. Maryland. There you go. Gentlemen, please introduce yourselves. I'm Dr. Christopher Bishop. Yeah, and I'm Dr. Mohammed Mansareg, licensed clinical psychologist. Okay. We're going to be talking with them about their practice and getting to understand how they do, what they do, and why they do it. Okay. Um, let's start. If you both would tell me a little bit, why do you think it's important to have a practice that services? African-American clients in particular? Well, we go back with the research saying that African-Americans, you know, don't do therapy, not good therapy patients. Um, and we just have not had an experience. Um, we probably had that experience more, I would say, on internship and kind of our externship and so our training. training. Mm -hmm. But when we're talking about real life, um, that's not what we get here. Um, we, we get Folks want people who look like them, mm -hmm. understand them more, and kind of be able to kind of get through some of those challenges and barriers and that comfortability. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I think sometimes uh, certain therapy spaces or, or businesses are are really not tailored to some of our clientele, right? So African American clientele are people who want to be able to come to see someone who looks like them, who can maybe understand their perspective, understand some cultural differences, cultural background uh, information. So it's important to have a place like this so people can feel very comfortable when they come in the door. Because right. the clients we get, we can, I'm mean, using the word, be real with them, yeah. uh -huh. that mm -hmm. we couldn't do an internship. Sure. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's totally different. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we can kind of have that, you know, still that professional boundary, but there's a language and mm -hmm. and comfortability in our nonverbals and verbals that mm -hmm. we can actually experience mm -hmm. um, between the therapist and the client. Okay. Right. Let's get into that a little bit. Go forward, Jeff. Oh, sorry. Yep, of course. Okay. Ah. So, what does it mean to be real, and why can't you do it when you're in training versus now? <laughs> the way I am now, if I was in <laughs> training, I probably would be seen as not professional mm -hmm. or not being too comfortable. I'll give you a great example, um, a patient you and I shared mm -hmm. back, um, this is our fourth turn coming back. Mm -hmm. And the first thing I, I pull up, my dad's like, what's up? Mm -hmm. are, are we really doing this again? Right. Are, what do you do different? Because he not he's not the problem. You're the problem. So let's talk about that. So 
really having that confrontation and not him being like, whoa, whoa, back up, Dr. Bishop. He's like, yeah, Dr. Bishop, I know, I know. Okay, yeah, yeah. Let, let, let's talk about it. Right. So it's, it's that he knows that that type of um, interaction I have with him is out of love. Mm-hmm. It's not being aggressive. So mm-hmm. he's not taking it aggressive. Right. And he knows where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would somebody else be able to do that from a different culture? No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just a, there's a there's a cultural context, yeah, right? Uh, how we move, how we talk, um, just how we communicate, right? It's it's just a little bit different, and mm-hmm. so sometimes clients really need that, right? The type of clients that we serve, uh, they really need someone to sort of speak to them in a way that they will sort of get it, right? And sometimes that involves what we call code switching, right? Mm-hmm. Like being able to sort of change our language up so we are communicating clearly mm-hmm. to them. Yeah. And, how they, and I was just thinking about even when we're at our adolescence where I allow my adolescents to bring in, um, hook up to the, um, either computer or to the system and play their music while we're doing therapy. Mm-hmm. And we can actually talk about what's happening in these lyrics, how they impact, how mm-hmm. is that reflective of your life. Okay. So that we actually understand what's, you know, even though we, I don't keep up with every current rap, I have the ear to kind of mm-hmm. hear what's happening mm-hmm. and be able to play right. that into, mm-hmm. the, into the room. Right. And in training, there's limited opportunity for that, yeah. right? Um, just not understanding some of the people who might be training us didn't really understand sort of how that right. could be relevant right. uh-huh. in therapy. Yeah, I was going to say, there's not even an appreciation for the fact that that's relevant. Right. Right. How would they know? Right. And we use drugs. So one of our therapists, who's also, um, you know, from Nigeria, Nigeria, mm-hmm. he uses drums in, in the session okay. uh, with his clients. And him and I do work in the prison. And so we bring the drums sometimes into the prison to do that work mm-hmm. as well. Okay. So we understand what that what what how that how music plays a role in our our mind, body, and soul. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the response mm-hmm. to that? They they love it. Yeah, they do. They, they, I mean, we only have we usually only have one white client, and they actually enjoy what's happening in the room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, and it's allowing change to happen. You're seeing results. Absolutely. So, the, you know, the academy likes to talk about evidence-based medicine. What would be the evidence-based medicine to suggest that these approaches work? Um, the symptoms they came into have decreased. Mm-hmm. Um, we're seeing more pro-social behaviors in the family. Um, we're seeing more harmony within the family because mm-hmm. uh, we, I mean, there is an endpoint. Uh, you know, we look at therapy. This is not something you should be doing for the rest of your life. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, I have two clients right now who who came back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I did the treatment. Um, they're fine for a year and a half, and they can come and they just start coming back because they like I need a tune up. Okay. Um, and one of the clients is African American, and we deal with all kind of things. What What are the stressors in your life? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is it is it culture? Is it just more being the DMV area? So we explore all those areas. So we we look at um, religion. Mm-hmm. We look at we look at everything that yeah. is part. We look at ancestry. We look at you know. And I say to my clients, the way I work is even though it's you and I here, your ancestors in this room, mm-hmm. your families in this room, mm-hmm. everything that's who you are today is through sure. those creations and experiences. Yeah, I, I think that is another thing that's not talked about in training. I, most of African-American clients I work with, religion is a very oh, yes. integral part mm-hmm. of their very being. Mm-hmm. And that's not something that is talked about. Right? Well, that's actually it's, it's just on our intake. And, mm-hmm. um, and 
So it's not that we're trying to be religious. Mm-hmm. On our intake, it asked about spirituality and mm-hmm. do you want spirituality to be incorporated in uh-huh. treatment? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, the gentleman was telling you about he's actually his degrees in pastoral counseling. Okay. But we all, so I mean, I've had someone from um, um, Buddhist and we've used Buddhism as part of the treatment plan. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so we don't separate out religion, right? Like I think right. it's an important part, right? And as you're sta- uh, saying, African-Americans, they <laughs> tend to be quite religious, right? And so mm-hmm. that's something that uh, we definitely incorporate if that's what they want. Sure. And sure. also if it's, if, it's, if it's not harmful. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I'll, I'll right. give you a great example. Good point. We had a kid, family's very religious. Kid is 12, 13. He's openly gay. Mm-hmm. Uh, family mm-hmm. don't want to accept it. Mm-hmm. And they want, they want spirituality to be incorporated into um, the treatment. We don't do, we're not trying to do conversion therapy. Right, 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 right. So, what, and so then we have to sit with the family how, if his behavior, which you consider is not part of your religion, how, how do we incorporate that? Mm-hmm. And so, because we tell them what the boundaries are of that. Because if he's a client, he's the one we have to make sure we're protecting. Sure. And so, we, we just got to make sure we get those boundaries clear in the beginning. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're doing some good work here. I like what I'm hearing. Um, you mentioned this code switching. Mm-hmm. I want to go back and talk about that a little bit. Um, yeah. What do you mean when you say code switching? <laughs> so what do I mean when I say code switching? Um, so, huh, so we live in America, right? And mm-hmm. so there is maybe a standard based on sort of <laughs> there's a standard way of, of communicating, right? Um, a way that we're all expected to communicate for right or for wrong. There's a standard way of communicating. Mm-hmm. And so what I mean by code switching is that I think as black people, as African-Americans, we are we understand sort of, hey, this is maybe the standard way of communicating with certain types of people. But we also have a additional way of communicating with one another, right? Mm-hmm. Sort of you know, the way we're raised. I mean, the way certain words are communicated from our parents uh, and different sort of communities that we grow up. And so we understand that there is maybe one way to sort of communicate in our community and one way to communicate outside of our community, mm-hmm. right? And so to survive, we often sort of go between these two ways of communicating um, to communicate right and so that's what I mean by code switching so I guess an example would be um, I'm trying to think of a good example well, I was yeah. thinking easy like you know when my clients come mm-hmm. in especially my kid you know he would do a dap slap you know, right. you know we yeah. had those non-verbals right. he'd like alright Dr. Bishop let's, let's go we, we right. got it you know mm-hmm. and I, I could I could imagine being an internship and my supervisor seeing that type of interaction. Sure. They would take it as a boundary issue. I'm pretty sure right. to said that you're too familiar, right. and that's not what's actually happened. I'm right. actually building rapport. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know, boundary issue mm-hmm. was if I'm now hanging at their houses, we're talking outside the therapeutic, you know, realm that's not therapeutic. That's boundary work. But in this mm-hmm. environment, they have to feel comfortable and say, "You get me." Right. Right. You think it helps them to see you as a real person and there's a need to connect with you as a real person as opposed to the expert? Absolutely. I mean, I'm just thinking even the work I do in the jail where we keep it real. I mean, we we had this we just had recent conversation. um, I disclosed. So disclosing to me and I was trying to teach my students is. Does it help? Who's it benefiting you right. or the or the client? Mm-hmm. So we're talking about family and um and um one of the classes turned twenty one in jail, and I shared my sister turned thirty while she was in jail, mm-hmm. and and one of the classes was like oh, mm-hmm. so you get what it is for the family piece, mm-hmm. right, right? Right, right? He's like I would have never thought that, mm-hmm. and uh, I said well what did you think? 
He said, he said, you're Dr. Bishop, right? right. Mm-hmm. Ain't your family perfect? Right. Like, absolutely <laughs> not. So we had those conversations, mm-hmm. and it was it was just a, it, you could see in his eye, it was a switch. He's like, because my family, because I said, I said, I, I said, I love my sister, but I don't like my sister. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, the things she's done to steal it. He's like, that's me. Mm-hmm. He said, so you, now I see how my family feels about me. It hurts me. But from I'm listening to your perspective, I see how that actually is now impacting my family and where do I go next? Mm, very interesting. So you bring your own experience into the room. Um, I, I do that quite frequently and I yeah. find that the people that I work with love when I do that because yeah. it brings the, it brings it down and say, oh, you get it. Right. And the power differential goes away. Right, right, right. And part of our approach is to sort of lessen that power dynamic, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, just because we're sort of, we're, we're doctors and we're sort of uh, practicing a profession, there's this inherent hierarchy, right? Mm-hmm. But we try to shrink that, right? Sure. By sort of self-disclosing certain things if it makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Being able to sort mm-hmm. of uh, code switch, dapping people up if that's what that client needs to feel close to you so then you can really um, make, they can, so they can make really good progress. Mm-hmm. We really do focus on um, mm-hmm. collectivism versus individualism. Uh-huh. So it's like, you know, we see, you know, that we are a village. When a, a client comes in, high explain therapy is this is your story and your journey. Mm-hmm. I'm not in front of you. I'm not behind you. I'm next to you. Yeah. Where are you taking me? Right. And so, and that we're here in this together. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's not me. And I tell, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm not your daddy. I'm right. Not, you know, I'm not I know our role is not to tell you what to do. That's not what we yeah. do here. Right. But what, what I can do is be that sounding board mm-hmm. and reflect back on you when I'm here and challenge you in those areas and help you explore. But you are your own agency. Right. You're going to have to make those decisions and no matter what decision you can make, I'm still going to be here to help you process that mm-hmm. and see what your next steps yeah. are. Yeah, and that's a very important part, right? Like, we are here to be supportive, right? Yes, we, we understand psychology. We're experts in our own right. But the goal is to help that person sort of make that change themselves. Like, we don't make decisions for people. Like, we support them. And so then they can eventually make the decision that best fits best fits them, whether it's a, a good one or a bad one, um, it's it's a decision. So it's just sort of supporting them in that. Even yeah. the treatment plan. So we, you know, a lot in community um, agencies, the the therapists come up with this treatment plan. Right. We mm-hmm. don't function that way. Right. So um, we'll talk about what are your goals? And and I may say, here's something I was thinking about. You, you think about it. And then, you know, right. we may write a draft, and but we're, we're working it together. Like, mm-hmm. how do we want, how is this going to fit for you mm-hmm. before we even sign it? So, you know, one the great thing about private practice is because we're not in some of the, those assurance spaces where we kind of have to have this in 60 days, 90 days. You know, that's the downsides because we don't, we're not, we don't service Medicaid and they have a mm-hmm. lot of regulations um, is that let's look at this. Mm-hmm. And then at any time, did we meet these goals? Right. Do we need to change these goals? Do you feel like these still work for you? Mm-hmm. So it's not about what we want for you. It's about what you came here to get. It sounds like it's a very caring um, paradigm where you are really concerned about seeing um, your clients make progress as opposed to trying to meet a certain tally yeah. The insurance companies might want you to meet meet the numbers, like yeah. mm-hmm. get a certain number of sessions in, get them in, get them out. Right. It's not what you're about. It's more about 
how am I really tapping into this person and inspiring them to make the change that they want to see in their lives? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. So that's what we don't do. Like, so we are also a part. We're actually um, we also do pro bono counseling through mm-hmm. Pro Bono Counseling Maryland. <coughs> so we participate in that. Some people are here for free, and we just joined recently Whole Brother Mission. I don't know if you're familiar with them. Mm-hmm. No. Whole Brother Missions. Uh, if you go to their website. They actually, um, their goals is to help black males find black people black to work with, yeah. mm-hmm. and they do mentoring. They find their therapy for it. and They will pay for it. Oh, yeah. Great. So they'll pay for it, and they get you know they get yeah. donations. So I've actually worked with one of their clients. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and they, they they just want black people to find black people, and there's a, there's a need in Maryland. Mm-hmm. So we were the first. Um, we're the first Maryland contact they've had. Mm-hmm. I just talked to them last night. It's like we didn't even realize the need of Maryland is so big. Yeah. It's, uh, it's just been much bigger than even thought in this area. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah and, I, and I don't know what the stat is, but I mean, unfortunately, there's a, a low number of yeah. black male psychologists. Right. Like, mm-hmm. <coughs> excuse me. Mm-hmm. Probably less than yeah. point zero zero one. And, yeah. and I think, as far as I know, we probably have the most black male therapists in under one roof. Yeah. Under one roof, under mm-hmm. 10 miles. So, this whole thing, I was going to ask the question, you know, to have, to be able to interview two black male psychologists, um, I thought was, I got to jump on this. Um, talk about the, in, the significance of being a black male psychologist and why it's important for you to be in the positions you are doing the work that you're doing. Well, I created this practice in my head when I was in graduate school. Mm-hmm. I, I, the name I came with the name my first year my doctor program. Say the name again. Um, well, we have two names. Originally, the original name was Mid Atlantic Children's Services. That's mm-hmm. I thought we just work with kids. Then, as the as we grew, um, I started I incorporated in two thousand three. Then I was getting like all this outpour. We start working in the jails and prisons. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. doesn't sound right for Mid Atlantic Children's Services for prisons. <laughs> so we did, we created a second name called Mid Atlantic Psychological. And um, and it and it just stayed, and um, so we then start servicing just everybody. Um, mm-hmm. So that dream got grown. Um, a lot of people who work here has been with me for a very very long time. I met him an undergraduate. Um, my other <laughs> therapist undergraduate. Um, some people are on, on my doctor program. So like Pete, like so we're a family. So just so people know, people don't just come here and work. Right, mm-hmm. we're a family. Like I was at his wedding. He was mm-hmm. at my wedding. Matter of fact, I gave him my wedding date. Got yep. married the same place. <laughs> um, and yeah. we have always been a family. We have um, every year a family dinner. You know that we go out as a company. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for us, we have a mission. And as he was telling you, Dr. Mansour is an associate. So we actually have different levels in the company. Mm-hmm. So the associates are kind of the. How do we make this work? How do we make this grow? How do we yeah. make this How do we grow? make it better? And then we have contractors. We are have we have we're a training facility too, so we're okay. externship. So and we're always trying to develop um, people of color mm-hmm. in order to kind of work with people of color. We mm-hmm. also have people of not or not of color, yeah. but we want to teach them how do you work with people of color as well? Because mm-hmm. we struggled with that for a long time. I know I did personally mm-hmm. was. So when I'm trying to train and I have these applicants, who do I choose? Mm-hmm. That choose the the African American who needs to be have an African American supervisor because I've never had an African American supervisor mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, in my training, I had training. one. 
Okay. And what's that well, mean? <laughs> no, it was uh, Dr. Adna Johnson. Okay. Shout out. I, you, had me for, you had me for externship. Yeah. Yes. And then... Johnson the, Evans. Sorry. And then we have the person who's not of color who's going to be working with people of color. Okay. So we only have so many slots and stuff. So those are challenges. And for me, as an African-American psychologist and male, I know I'm a unicorn. I understand that concept. Um, I understand that there's a need for me to be out there uh, we get emails all the time. So every day we get emails. Um, I need a black male psychologist for my son, mm-hmm. and we and, and we have to make sure we cook because we're not going to be daddies, right? Um, but because they don't have any representation in their life for a lot of times, mm-hmm. that this may be their first contact mm-hmm. of being with somebody who reflects them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and just you know, just being an example, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I see I have a couple of uh, children on my caseload. Um, in the past, especially, I've had some black males on my caseload, and um, just them coming in, us developing a bond. I mean, I think it's just an easier process sometimes because I look like them, and they can see me as an example, and they might sort of trust what I'm saying a little bit faster. Mm-hmm. Like, so I think it just makes the therapy process um, uh, smoother, better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. Good. What inspired you to, to be psychologist? Is 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 is. is, is <laughs> I decided at 13 to be a psychologist. Same, close age. I was, yeah. Uh, my mother actually <clears throat> suffered from um, schizophrenia. Mm. So I actually thought that my calling was going to be um, working with adults with schizophrenia. Okay. And then I actually got a job you know, my undergraduate uh, working in a group home. Loved it. Mm-hmm. But wasn't my passion. Um, and then I got a, um, an opportunity to work with kids. I was like, that's it. Mm. And, and it was and that went that way and it kept changing because then when I went to doctor program I ended up getting to forensics and then I was like oh, oh yeah. like that too okay. so it has expanded over but no matter what it still it was always for me um, I hated school so just to be clear I hated school <laughs> I just knew what the end goal was right, right. so I knew <laughs> what I had to get through that matter I, my eyes were on the prize to get there <clears throat> because I knew at the end what my calling was right. and so that is just important for me yeah for me it was around 13 as well um <clears throat> my father i used to, he's a he's a food vendor at a hbcu and i know his dad yeah how. right <laughs> and so uh i used to every summer work with him and so being in that college environment right made me think because mm-hmm. before then actually i wasn't even really thinking about college but being in that environment made me think, like, hmm, what would I want to do? Mm-hmm. Right? And I remember uh, going to class. I was 13, but I was going to class with, with these twins. They, they were, It was the summertime. And so my dad suggested I go to class with them. And I believe it was a psychology course. And I was like, oh, this, this seems pretty fascinating. And so from then on, I was really interested in psychology. Uh, so then graduated with a, a bachelor's in psychology. And then I met Dr. Bishop. <laughs> and... You know, yeah, at a community college because I had to take a, a credit at normal. normal psychology, um, a prerequisite to be able to get into graduate school. Okay. But I also wasn't sure that I wanted to go to graduate school and go all the way, right? Because it means you have to go. What is it? Four? It's five years. Five is five, five to seven years. Mm-hmm. But then I met him, and he was done. 
And so he was an example. And so we exchanged information, uh, and then we just kept talking. He kept supporting me and telling me I can do it and, and making sure that my GRE scores were high enough and making sure that I chose the right inter externships and then all this. So, I mean, I was interested at 13, but then I met him, Dr. Bishop, and it was just he was a great example, and it sort of pushed me to be able to earn my, my doctorate. Yeah. Wow, that's really cool. I, I didn't even know what a psychologist was until I was in graduate <laughs> 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 I hear that. I didn't know what a black psychologist until, you know, I was practically out. I just yeah. kind of figured out <laughs> as I went along. Yeah, I don't think I could have made it without the support. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah. It's, it, we need more of that, you know. Um, yeah. and, and I know you all are doing, you know, a lot of mentoring work to, yeah. to help mm -hmm. other young brothers along yeah. um, because it, the numbers are small in this field. I, I, I yeah. hear I'm getting, getting messages and calls every week and mm -hmm. you know, there's only so much to go around. It's pretty really much. Bad. I mean, we, yeah. we, we, we speak at, you know, community events. Mm -hmm. um, oh yeah, we've done some of that. At my fraternity, we, we mm -hmm. go to talk to Capoli, we go to health fairs. Mm -hmm. um, we try to be visible mm -hmm. as much as possible. Um, out there and trying to encourage because there's not there's not enough of us and we yeah, know that sure. and for us we feel like we have this village um, but it's just not enough of us okay all right so let me ask you what are the if I had to ask you for the top three things that you think are issues pertinent to um, African-American clients that you work with um, will do children mm -hmm. and, and adults um, mm -hmm. I mean, would you wouldn't you go with depression and anxiety? No, I mean yes, with? but that's not what's underneath. Though. Okay, fair. Um, it's 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 self. It's either self, self hate. Um, mm. Sometimes it's just negative messages that they've grown up. That's with fair. About um, you know we and what we talk about our therapy is. Um, what we call the imposter syndrome is mm -hmm. what I call it, the imposter yeah. syndrome. Mm -hmm. um, you're walking around feeling like an imposter mm -hmm. because you gotta work, you gotta work as twice as hard to be better. Yeah. Okay. And that you're doing your job, but you still don't trust in what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And I think we went through some of that in our own doctorate program. Without um, a doubt. I'm the first African American male to graduate from my program. I'm the second to graduate from my program. Right. <laughs> yeah, and I know the, and yeah. I, and I know the first one. I'm, yeah. Unfortunately, she's not with us anymore. Yeah. But it was like you kind of walk around, you know, what do you say? Um, fake it till you make it. Mm -hmm. Right. And our class is not, it's, it's, it's all the time. Mm -hmm. Right. It's all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think you're right on, right? Like, and I think then that's then you, but you see it as anxiety and you see it as depression, right? Mm -hmm. Like those underlying issues, mm -hmm. right, of not feeling good enough, mm -hmm. right, and not having examples and not and, and just feeling a bit um, out of place in certain situations, whether it's at work or school. Yeah, that's a pretty common uh, condition or or situation. Because yeah, we're actually dealing. I mean, lately we've been dealing with more serious issues in those areas. Um, mm -hmm. You know. Um, um, I've now dealt with a few of being um, sexually abused. Mm. Um, um, yeah, so trauma. Trauma's trauma, a big trauma one. Has, yeah. Trauma has, and, and, yeah. and it's been hidden trauma. Fact, I just gave um, my African-American male, his homework was um, to do the manhood box. Mm -hmm. So I talked the man who bought this because Dusty said I never felt good enough for my father. So yeah. that was a conversation he had with me today. And I said, 
okay, we're going to do this man who basically said, I wasn't man enough, you know, mm-hmm. when, what does that mean? Yeah. We do that, actually do that in, um, in the jail as well, mm-hmm. by this manhood boss and possibility right. boss. So dealing with just the issues of manhood of, yeah. I got to care at all. You right. know, it's a challenge. You know, <laughs> and um, I can't cry, and I can't. And it's interesting because they cry behind these walls. Absolutely. And I think, and I, and I feel privileged mm-hmm. that they can do that because I know they can't do it anywhere else. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh-huh. And for especially behind the And was that uh-huh. like you know for me, I'm always feeling privileged that you trust me enough mm-hmm. to show this in right. the room. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just been holding it. Right. And allowing someone else to hold allow it. Right. Allow, hold, mm-hmm. allow me to hold it with you in that mm-hmm. in that in that in that space mm-hmm. and kind of find out what's tell me what's happening for you in this moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a and, gift. And yeah. I've been seeing I get a lot of that with my black males. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Do you think the trauma is impacted or triggered by a lot of the things that are happening in real time and current <laughs> events in this country right now. That and microaggressions. Yeah. There's microaggressions is about this, this this political administration that we're in. I've noticed it myself. Mm-hmm. Um, You've seen it. Have your clients come in talking about it? Yeah, I've experienced Without it. Without a doubt. I've, I've, yeah, I mean, just from our own, being yeah, black men, living yeah. our lives. I'm, absolutely, I'm, yeah. I'm finding people mm-hmm. be more aggressive toward me. Mm-hmm. Um, because this administration it kind of says okay mm-hmm. um, so I, I've experienced that so when I'm in the room with a client I bring to their attention tell me what kind of microaggressions happen mm-hmm. for you mm-hmm. yeah. because sometimes they don't recognize it because we normalize it as black people yes, we, we, do. We, we expect microaggressions mm-hmm. it becomes part of um, of what we carry mm-hmm. and therefore it's, we don't we all recognize it's a problem yeah. because this what this is what this is what mm-hmm. it is to be Absolutely. black in America yeah, yeah. and sometimes we have to help them unpack that to say this is not it may be a normal as society but it's not a normal as a human being right, mm-hmm. right. because other human beings don't have to carry it way right. we're and it has a significant impact right from just again triggering anxiety depression but health issues. Uh, you know, getting your blood pressure up, you know, your and, blood sugar up, just sort of experiencing we push, these we things. Yeah. Push, we actually push for that. So actually, mm-hmm. um, on our intake, we ask when less you're on a medical, yeah, our annual. So we, add, so that's so we we health is important for us. Um, we refer clients to dietitians, um, to um, medical doctors. As a matter of fact, a no, we've had a number of referrals from my my personal physician. Me too. I said a number of referrals. <laughs> your pediatrician are like my pediatrician just, and, and my actual. Doctor, I just yeah. mm-hmm. last week. He was like. Um, the client sent you loved your practice. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know who it is, but okay, thank right. you. Mm-hmm. But um, so we we we're really into the mind, body, and soul perspective. Mm-hmm. But the health part, we're really big into as far as our clients. How are you, how are you managing this? Okay. Yeah. So, but I mean, to answer the original question, absolutely, people are coming in um, with respect to the climate. Right. And, and talking about the different microaggressions. Mm-hmm. Right. So these little slights that they experience every single day, it seems to be getting louder. And they don't know how to interpret yeah. it because mm-hmm. because, yes, as a black person, I am going to be more sensitive when someone says something. And, and I do question was what were you being racist toward mm-hmm. me or not? So it makes us feel a little paranoid because oh. it's like. Mm-hmm. Did I just experience that or not? Mm-hmm. And um, in mm-hmm. question, and so sometimes they come in to saying, "I'm not sure what's happening. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what I'm experiencing right. in this." Mm-hmm. And so, and we do that because sometimes we like we, we see ghosts everywhere we go, so we see racist <laughs> ghosts. But there's a reason why we do that. So yep. sometimes coming to space, 
we could kind of filter that right. out to do kind of reality right. tests. But that's a really important piece, and I think it ties into the stuff we talked at the beginning, right? Because I think if our clients go to another practice, <clears throat> right, and they have this sort of paranoia, right, a cultural paranoia. Functional yeah, cultural yeah, paranoia. Thank you for the clarifying that, right? Like they might be perceived as actually paranoid, right? right. They might be uh, given medication or considered like, you know, very, very sick. Mm -hmm. And so they come to our practice, we sort of understand, like this is a very normative experience mm -hmm. for black people. Right. Yeah, so. And, and I think that's the importance of having people like yourself mm -hmm. because if they come in and they're trying to explain this to a provider that doesn't that's not culturally sensitive mm -hmm. to them, then they're going to have to be trying to unpack why this event was racist, why they felt this way. Correct. And it's going to take away from just dealing with mm -hmm. the issue at hand. Mm -hmm. When they come in to talk to you, they don't have to worry about that. The, the context is already mm -hmm. set. This is what happened. You're like, yeah, okay, mm -hmm. I get you. Mm -hmm. I know what that is. I right. feel, yeah, mm -hmm. I've been followed around in the right. store too. Right. Yeah, I've had my supervisor single me out <laughs> for something that somebody else. Yeah. yeah, I know the tone of voice that was used. Mm -hmm. that it, and it's not, you could say that to somebody else and they would be like, well, what's wrong with that? Right. But it's not the words. It's the way they right. said mm -hmm. the words. And we can understand that right. and appreciate what that what that language mm -hmm. does in terms of being a microaggression, how that stress of that situation then comes to impact us yeah. and cause us negative outcomes yeah. in terms of how we're living our lives. Mm -hmm. yeah. So you just said too, sometimes I have to work with clients to get them off of medication because they've been misdiagnosed. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, they're on ADHD medication. Uh, mm. I mean- I see that a lot. <laughs> even this family I was working with, I, I still uh -huh. didn't understand it was, um, they. they they came in for testing. I did the testing. I said the kid does not have ADHD. Right. They put the they got the kid. The doctor said put my ADHD medication. It actually made the kid worse. Yep. Got him off the that's how you know it's not working. It's like <laughs> that's not what it is. Yeah. It was he was under trauma within the family, and, right. and and I got the family help at another practice, um, who was another black practice to kind of work with the family, while work with the parents, while work with the kid. Yeah. Um, I had another one where there was ADHD, they put my ADHD medication, mm -hmm. anxiety, and we also did evaluation here on them as well, and so people were quick to put people on medication. We are not a medication fan, but if medication is needed, we're going to make Absolutely. the referral. Mm -hmm. But it's not the first thing. Yeah, right. it's not it's for us. It's, it's not thing. the first right. thing. Correct. It's like let's see the work we can do together, mm -hmm. and then if that and then if the is the symptomology is so severe that we can't do the work, and we still talk about it as let's look at this as a temporary piece. Sure. while we do our work mm -hmm. and then let's see how we can reevaluate this to see when this is no longer needed yeah i think it's important to be practical i see and, and so this is the benefit of being able to work with people in a collegial manner mm -hmm. as opposed to a top-down mm -hmm. power differential yeah. manner because you want to empower people you can't know what you don't know right right and so for a lot of our parents if they come in and the doctor has told them this is what it is this is what you need to do they're gonna say, okay, this the doctor, the doctor knows what he's talking about. Yeah. They're just gonna follow and mm -hmm. not really understand and appreciate that there are other options. It's mm -hmm. not like if you have cancer, do these are the treatment, or if you have high blood pressure, these are the ways we need to treat that. There's a lot of room for mm -hmm. variation mm -hmm. and for interpretation. It's subjective yeah. a lot of times. And if you don't understand the culture, you can improperly 
diagnose and properly come up with your understanding of what's going on and it not be anything close to that at mm-hmm. all. And we can do the opposite too, where we feel someone needs medication, they don't want medication. So, okay, you don't want medication, let's see what we can do holistically. Right. Mm-hmm. So, we, again, our job is not to do that. We can say what our recommendations are. If you don't agree with it, fine. Let's let's look at something different. So mm-hmm. we're we're not rigid in our thought process mm-hmm. in the way we do that. So we look mm-hmm. at diet. Uh, we look at you know what types of foods may do this. Um, we've also engaged with other practitioners. I know it has mixed reviews at um, genetic testing mm-hmm. about what kind of medications does not work with that person. Okay. But I know in the medical field, it has, it has some mixed some results about yeah. that. Yeah. But we support our clients and what they want to do. I mean, I had a, a client who went to Peru to, to, um, to do a ceremony to kind of help with anxiety. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. so we support, I supported you know, him in that process. Mm-hmm. I, I did the research on it. Um, um, I gave him homework. I did homework. We came together and felt that was right for him. Did you see a shaman in Peru? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, well, Awasaki. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, wow. Ceremony. Okay, good, good, good. I mean, the more people can be exposed to those kind of things, and not that you're pushing that, but if right. they come in, you're they not in with that, shooting yeah. it down. Absolutely. Right, you're working and with whereas it. Whereas yeah. somebody else, no, I don't even know what that is. Mm-hmm. You, you want to stay away from that. You normally no. There are multiple ways right. to deal with this, and we want to empower people to, Absolutely. you know, be their own. You know, you, you you know yourself better than anybody else, right. and we can help facilitate you tapping into that knowledge that you might have forgotten. Yeah, our job is to again that journey. You know, if you bring me new information I'm not familiar with, I'm I'm a researcher. I'm going to do the research, right. mm-hmm. and then I can give you an inform. Here's what I found out. Not here's what I think you should do. Here's what I found out. What do you want to do with that information? Right. Sure. And then I'm going to challenge you to do more information searching. Great. Great. That's good stuff. So um, we're going to wrap up. I would like for you to all just um, give me a sense of your takeaway points. What are some takeaway points that you could offer people just in a general sense in terms of why therapy is important and some things they could do to make their life work better. Well, therapy is important, but what's I find more important that you have to be comfortable mm-hmm. in choosing therapy. Um, that you don't have to go to the first person that you meet. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you have to trust some of you. Mm-hmm. Um, if you. If it's not a fit, it's just not a fit. And that don't stop because that wasn't a fit for right. you. Mm-hmm. Seek out what's going to fit for you in order to progress where you're trying to go to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and um, trying not to be afraid of finding that space. Therapy is a, is a space where you can sort of uh, have the opportunity to allow someone to hold the pain that you're going through, right? Mm-hmm. Just a space for you to be able to discuss whatever is going on. And the more you do it, the easier it will become, right? Just mm-hmm. trying to remove that barrier. And that's why we're here. We're here to hopefully remove the barrier, Remove the the veil over what therapy is, sure. so then that you can come in and 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 feel better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, good. I really appreciate this information. This has been quite informative, and I'm glad that there are other brothers out there like you all who are doing this work. Uh, why don't you go ahead and say plug your practice uh, once more for us? 
We're here in um, Silver, no, College Park. <laughs> College Park, Park Maryland. Maryland. At, uh, Mid-Atlantic, <laughs> Close to Silver Spring. Mid-Atlantic Psychological Services slash Mid-Atlantic Children's Services. We have two locations. We have this College Park location, and we also have a downtown Alexandria. Old Town. Old Town. I'm sorry, I got it wrong. Old Town Alexandria location. In Virginia. In Virginia. Yeah. Okay, okay. So people can get to you from D.C., from, mm-hmm. yep. from the Virginia And area. we both work in both practices okay. yeah okay and how will people reach you um so they can go to our website at mid um our main numbers here in college park is 240-297-9857 and just hit zero and you get, get the operator mm-hmm. um so you know this this is the best way to reach us um just you can google us okay. yeah Right. And we have some awesome black female psychologists as well. Want to pull up, put a plug in oh, for them? Please. Yeah, yeah. You name your other staff as well. Oh, wow, we have a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so um, um, we have Dr. Myra Waters, who's a counselor psychologist. We have yeah. Dr. Michelle Godwin, who's a clinical psychologist. We have Dr. Joy Stevens, who's also a counselor psychologist. Dr. Craig Boltman, who's a uh, clinical psychologist. Um, did I miss anyone? And all these are African-American psychologists. No, I want this thing with African-American psychologists. Zebo's mm-hmm. master. Uh, yeah, we have Aladipo Adedeje, who is a master's therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have t- um, two postdocs um, who are not African-American, but they've, they've been training with us for mm-hmm. a while. Dr. Jennifer Bavard. And then we have Dr. Um, Christina Huggins. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we uh, we just added Dr. Megan Kyle. Yep, correct. So, um, because we have a relationship with University of Maryland, we get a lot of referrals mm-hmm. from there. So, um, we do try to service. We have, we're we're a very multicultural sure. as far as relates, um, of providing services to. Mm-hmm. Okay, great, yeah. great. So, you just to be clear, you service anybody that walks in the door. I, without right? a doubt. Yeah. You specialize in working with clients of color absolutely need to have a space Mm -hmm. where they can come and see themselves reflected in the aura of the practice and certainly in the providers that are that are um, certain absolutely and we're always looking for um, people of color who are skilled at this work um, and joining our practice yeah okay good deal well I thank you all for having me in and for being willing to talk with us and share information to inform our, our public and inform the world really about um, what you're doing because yeah. it's something that more of us need to know. That's the genesis of really doing this series to begin with so that uh, we begin to see the faces and recognize that there are people out there that can provide the service and, and, and do it in a way that is culturally competent. Yeah. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having us. Yeah, I appreciate it. In closing, I want to remind you to always be a critical thinker as it relates to your mental health and well-being. We always want to inspire you to consciously question your choices to ensure that you are doing those things that bring you happiness and fulfillment. Please don't forget to subscribe to our channel and share the information with others who might benefit. Connect with us on Twitter at HeartMindHealer and visit our Facebook and Instagram pages at Alashe Center, A-L-A-S-E Center. Our website is alashe.net, A-L-A-S-E dot net. And feel free to contact us for any consultations or questions you might have. Things that I might be missing, running too fast to stop to listen.